Welcome to Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca/podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. For the first 22 Sundays of the Christian year, that is, through Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, and Pentecost and Trinity Sundays, we have followed a consistent lectionary pattern Easter was a bit of an exception given the use of Acts as the first lesson and in year B, a roughly continuous reading through 1 John. That pattern involves, of course, a first Old Testament reading and a psalm, which have been chosen to complement the gospel reading for the day and at times the epistle as well in many and various ways, to quote the author of Hebrews, the Old Testament, Psalm, and Gospel selections display important relationships between God's work in Israel and in Jesus Christ. With this Sunday, the second Sunday after Pentecost, we enter a different terrain. The pattern referred to just now continues, but as a track two optional path. Track one corresponds to a different conception, one in which the Old Testament readings are not chosen to correlate in a conscious way with the gospel, but are provided, rather, to allow the church to follow something like the narrative line within an Old Testament book. This isn't altogether possible, however, given the size of the Old Testament. So the readings are a kind of greatest hits in a book. So for the next 11 Sundays, extending even into the month of August in our long Pentecost season or ordinary time, we will hear portions of 1 and 2 Samuel for the first reading. Yet all told, there are 55 total chapters in the twin books of Samuel. So track one can do its job only in this rather piecemeal sense. Compare the continuous reading of 2 Corinthians, we are also pursuing at the same time, and how it's able to cover the letter given its much shorter length. What track one seeks to do is depart from a selection for complementarity approach and allow the Old Testament to have its own voice or its greatest hits, so to say. Let me say just a further word by way of commentary. Since Pentecost season runs over several months and is the longest sustained lectionary period of the year, with as many as 30 Sundays, it does offer the preacher, reader, church in general, an opportunity 
to do some narrative-style exposition. For the Old Testament, if track one is chosen, or of the epistle. I'm not going to pursue that tack in these insights, but I mention it just the same. The lectionary is a servant and not a master, and so it offers some flexibility for setting forth the Christian Bible as a whole, and that is particularly true, I think, in this long Pentecost season. In many and various ways, God's Word is being set forth. Track 1, for the second Sunday after Pentecost, introduces narratives about the prophet Samuel, beginning this morning with his call as a boy in the temple. All told, we will hear three episodes in which he plays a role in the run-up to the anointing of David. This chapter 3 from 1 Samuel, this is the same reading, you may recall, which was used back at the very beginning of year B, that is, for the second Sunday of Epiphany. There it was paired with the call of Nathanael in John's Gospel. So there it played a complementary role in contrasting the ready obedience of Samuel with the incredulity of Nathanael and the surprising persistence of God and Christ with them both. There we had Psalm 139, read for this Sunday as well, appropriate to this marvelous call story of the boy Samuel. Lord, you have searched me out and known me. Like the boy Samuel, you know my sitting down in the temple and my rising up to run to Eli, and you discern my thoughts indeed from afar. The call of Samuel, as this is set forth in the narrative line of the books of Samuel, the call of Samuel comes to set a new direction away from the direction of the book of Judges, and as we read, the wickedness of the sons of Eli. And who is this obedient and righteous boy Samuel? But the surprising son of Hannah, whose aged giving birth to him launches the people of Israel onto a fresh path. So the books of Samuel open. Her song of joy recorded there in the opening chapter becomes the model for the Magnificat sung centuries later at another surprising birth, the birth of the Savior, King David's greater son. God is moving in mysterious ways, as always working past the obstacles on the human plane to bring into being his way forward for life. Eli demands to hear about this fresh new direction, even though he senses it means judgment over him and his own house. 
And from that sober request of the young boy, spirals forth his important recognition. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And so it will be. Our gospel reading for the day takes us back, and this will be the beginning of these readings serially through Mark, takes us back into the early chapters of the Gospel of Mark, where our journey in year B first began. You will recall chapter 1's, And immediately Jesus punctuated narrative line, which hurdles us past the introduction to and baptism by John, the brief account of Jesus' wilderness temptation, his successful Galilee preaching, moving along immediately, the calling of disciples, his exorcism and healings in Capernaum, his home base, the cleansing of a leper, the healing of a paralytic, and the calling, just before our text for today, of the tax collector, Levi. And with this action, this calling of a tax collector, a new theme emerges in the Gospel of Mark, which will track right through the end of that Gospel. The theme of earthly hostility and opposition to Jesus, matching the spiritual opposition he overcomes so completely in chapter 1. This opening chapter has been described by some commentators as a kind of honeymoon, a whirlwind honeymoon of Jesus' stunning and immediately activity. And this stunning honeymoon activity in chapter 1 has now come to a close. The book of Judges and the wicked sons of Eli enter in the form now of the opponents of Jesus from the leadership, including the Pharisees and others. In our gospel lesson, Jesus insists, facing this opposition, that the Sabbath was not created by God as a means of preventing acts of mercy, the details of which were disputed within the Judaisms of the day, how to conduct oneself on the Sabbath, for which we find here one harsher Pharisaic version. David himself operated within the parameters of mercy and necessity. Jesus reminds them, the scriptures do not present the picture they have to distort in order to attack him. He then enters the synagogue for round two, this time concerning his response to a man with a withered hand. Their silence before his question, is it right to kill or do good? To heal shows he has got to the heart of the matter. They have no response. But he responds and rounds on them in anger. 
So the battle for the authority of God in the kingdom Jesus has come to bring is now fully underway. His destruction, we learn, is now a matter of conscious planning, a conspiracy of certain Pharisees with the political party of the Herodians. The complementary Old Testament reading chosen for today, that is, in what's now being called Track 2, is taken from the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy's fifth chapter version. Here we find the longer grounding logic than what is given in Exodus. Those outside the community, the resident aliens and the slaves, we learn are to enjoy the Sabbath alongside Israel. The generosity of God in the Sabbath provision extends to them. And in this manner, Israel is to be put in mind that she once also was a slave and that God had shown compassion to her in delivering her from bondage in Egypt. The Sabbath commandment is intended to teach compassion by recalling the conditions under which it was given and which now are to be extended beyond Israel to the resident alien and slave. As such, Deuteronomy's Ten Commandment version, and especially the Sabbath law there, statute, captures the inner nerve of Jesus' response to the Pharisees who would condemn and who now plot to destroy him. His actions are like those of God himself, as Deuteronomy explains it in its account of the Sabbath. Psalm 81 helps forge the link, in case we miss it, between Deuteronomy and Jesus in Mark's depiction of the Sabbath. Psalm 81 speaks of the statute and the law for Israel, given by the God of Jacob, which was a solemn charge laid upon Israel coming out of Egypt which in turn lifted off a burden. I eased his, eased his shoulder from the burden. His hands were set free from bearing the load. Jesus in the flesh does just this and acts in just this spirit of compassion, seeing into the heart of the law. Deuteronomy reminds Israel that the law and the Sabbath expressly was given in order to remember this. I saved you. I lifted off your burden. Listen to me, Jesus says, to those Pharisees opposing him. I admonish you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and said in my burden-lifting statute, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. So the contribution of Psalm 81 for this second Sunday after Pentecost. To conclude then our overview, we have 
the epistle reading, which is shared in Tracts 1 and 2 both. This is part of a semi-continuous reading of the second lesson, pattern familiar throughout the lectionary year, here in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. What appears weak and fallible in us, our earthen jar lives in Christ, is precisely so. We proclaim not ourselves nor our capacities, for they are clay, but instead Jesus Christ, the only source of strength and hope and healing. An eye inside the heart of the law. Our weakness is not something so much to overcome so that we might be better, but it is the way in which through our weakness, we come to understand the glory and power that alone come from God. We have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power made manifest in acts of mercy in the synagogue on the Sabbath and in our church life this Sunday and every Sunday comes from God. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of Scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.